Hello and welcome to the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, and he's back in the studio. Donovan Bennett, he did not bring the good weather with him. He left that in Las Vegas. How was the flight back? Literally flying. <laughs> Headwinds were not an issue. Got back in three and a half hours. I slept the whole way, so. Nice work. I don't remember much of it, but no turbulence. Thank you to the uh, wonderful pilots of WestJet for getting me home safe. Nice work. Um, I can't fall asleep on flights. I've fallen asleep on one flight for more than an hour, and that was because I was literally mentally, physically, emotionally exhausted from a previous week. That's the only way that I've done it. I don't think I've ever fallen asleep. I can't get comfortable. All I do is sleep on flights. Oh, Sorry. Flights that don't include my children. I was going to say, there is a caveat. Because then I'm just essentially, I'm a flight attendant when I'm with my children. And I'm, do you need snacks? Do you need water? Are you okay? Do you need your seat to be reclined? But if I'm on a flight by myself, and hopefully I've checked in early and got myself a nice little window seat, it's, it's curtains. I'm out. Not looking out the window, not doing work, which many people do on flights, and I respect it. I wish I could. Not watching a movie. I'm TKO. I'm a big movie guy on flights. Really? Helps, helps pass the time, I find. And it has to be a movie I haven't seen. Because if it's a movie that I've seen, I generally know how long it's going to be. It's like, well, this is not going to take up enough time. So are you downloading? Are you using the screen in front of you because i need the screen in front of me for the airlines that have this to be on the little flight tracker that tells me exactly where i am am i <laughs> over the desert right now is there a mountain range below me and are we making our descent i need to know i need to know the progress no 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 i i i usually have it on a, a computer or an ipad that's usually how we operate and my wife doesn't she's like whatever she falls asleep. I don't know how she does it. And she's the nerve. And she, no, I'm the nervous flyer. She's the one with the anxiety about everything else. No, I'm not. I wasn't a great flyer for a long time. Because? I don't know. Just get nervous. Turn this into a shrink session. Yeah, just get nervous. I don't know. Shouldn't. I've flown enough times and they've, I've never, I've had one issue with turbulence where the plane kind of just went and dropped for and, half a second. And your heart dropped and with My you? heart, my stomach, I felt sick after. My brother was young, and my brother was like, that was fun. We should do that again. I'm like, no, we should, we should not do that again. You do realize that flying is appreciably safer than driving your car. Oh, 100%. 100%. I'm, a, I'm very aware of that. But, I, but you know what the difference is? I'm driving my car, so I feel like I'm in control. I can't fly an airplane. I don't know how to do that. Probably very difficult. I'm not smart enough for that. But I just feel like I'm in control. Um, you talked about sleeping. Do you ever listen to those sleep stories? Oh, I thought you were going to go with, we are sleeping on the Baltimore Ravens. No, we're not. No, everybody I thought, knows I how thought good that was a segue. No, no. Uh, do I listen it's a to better s- one. It's a better I, one. Do I listen to sleep stories? I do not. Okay. I, I do actually fall asleep to a podcast. Okay. But, so but it's not- essentially the same. It's kind of the same okay. thing. You'll give it to me. Right? I've had Fair Matthew enough. McConaughey and, and LeVar Burton put me to bed a couple times. Matthew McConaughey sell you a car while you're oh, it's asleep? A, no, it's talking, it's talking about something that he did when he was doing a movie. I think it was Interstellar, I guess. I haven't seen it. So I'm thinking that's what it is. And he talked about like the people that he dealt with. Whatever. It's his voice. Uh, Nick Offerman also from Parks and Rec, among other things, is also on this sleep stories thing. It's pretty good. You Our know, listeners across the Sportsnet Radio Network are waited with bated breath yes. as to find out what this has to do with football. Here's who Sleep Stories should hire okay. for their next 
big name. He may be looking for a job too by the end of this season. Oh, so not Jim Nance. No, no, he's 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 great. Um, Lance, do we have the clip? Here's Arthur Smith putting you to sleep, explaining <laughs> the struggles in the red zone. I did hear this. And Bijan Robinson and why he doesn't get used. Here we go. The results are what they are, and Mike. So this is kind of a you know, mine, I'll give some context to it. Because, again, a smart friend of mine, too, we're talking about nuance and context, and sometimes, you know, two things could be true at once. One, you, when you haven't gotten the results you want, you know, you, you should be criticized and, and, and be objective. And I talk about it being objective, so what does that mean? So you've got to go look at things that didn't work. You know, why you did something, what your intent is. Okay, well, why is the result? So you got to look at your mistakes and your failures and say, all right, this is what we're, our intent, what you're thinking about. Or how do I objectively fix that? And that's where you got to be really honest. That's the only way you improve. So whether you're coaching or you're a player or you're in any other industry, uh, that's real. And that's what we strive to do every week. Obviously, we've never thought of per- perfect. So, so you look at the red zone. We've had 28 trips. We've scored touchdowns on 14 of them. So that's half, 50%. Not where you want to be. You know, you obviously want to score every time. But historically, if you're in the mid to high 60s, you're usually up there leading the league. Some of the years we were really good in Tennessee, we were damn near at 75%. But that's kind of – you just want to strive to be 100. And that's what you're, what you're aiming for. So you're at 50 there, so 28 trips. And then other than, you know, we've had to kick field goals nine times. Two of them were situational, win the game, right, Green Bay, Houston. So those are two. So the other seven, we had three fumbles um, right down in Tampa. So a lot, we, you know, the turnover on downs that we, uh, we had down in Jacksonville to try to cut it. You know, six and a half to the fourth down on the, on the sprint out Drake. So you look at all this. So we have 99 plays, give or take, and that's including things that have been nullified by penalties, whether it's offense, pre-snap, or even defensive penalties. So you say, what's your intent? Where you're targeting? Right, so we have a lot of guys that we think are good players on this team. So it's not just Bijan, but it's all those guys. So a lot of times in the drop back, maybe the number one read was Kyle, maybe it was Drake. Well, they, they have a say, they took it away, and you've got a pressure attacker on the other side, so the ball went there. Or, unfortunately, you got sacked or something negative happened. So having said all that, that's not an excuse, so this is a reality. And then 10 is, you know, he, among other people, when we've been in sync, it's been pretty good. And there's been some zone reads. That's been a good, really good play for us, right? So play, if he hands it, going to him. Well, we pulled it, and that's been a pretty positive play for us down there. Um, you know, Tyler, in the situation... Algier, he's been pretty damn good on go on runs. Oh, oh, sorry. Okay. He went on for like another four and a half minutes and explained. Did you understand what he was talking about? He said he didn't want to make excuses. It sounded like a lot of excuses. I did understand. I also understand that we have now lost listeners across the the (laughs) radio. Because they fell asleep? Because... Uh, they didn't want to go on that scenic route with him to the reason. Listen, this is all we need to know. You were asked a very direct question. Why? Bijan Robinson, your most talented player, someone who you drafted eighth overall in the most recent draft, is not getting the ball more in the red zone when you, you gave us the numbers, have struggled in the red zone. You brought up the fact that Tennessee was really good in the red zone. You know what you did? Gave the ball to Derrick Henry. Gave it to Derrick Henry. <laughs> yeah. That's shocking. why. You know, you know, you actually took your quarterback off the field. And you even let him throw you even let him throw sometimes. You let him throw it. And now you have not done it with Bijan Robinson. You have an offensive line with not one, not two, 
but three players making $15 million or more. That's more than Saquon Barkley. And a second-round pick. Shout-out Canadian. Yes. Matthew Bergeron. You have not just Bijan Robinson, who you've picked as a skilled position player, as a lottery pick. You have Kyle Pitts, who you picked as a lottery pick. You have Drake London, who you picked as a lottery pick. And your red zone offense, your offense, period, has been tough Horrible. to watch. So you gave us a lot of excuses that you may want to say are reasons. I understand the rationale of, well, our intent when in calling a zone read is to give it to Bijan, but if the defense takes that away, then, then that's not our fault. Then don't run a read option. Thank you very much. Because you know what else has happened? <laughs> your quarterback has fumbled three times yeah, in yeah. the red zone. And now he's not your starting quarterback anymore. Yeah, it's it's not great. Um, okay, uh, we got a couple of guests that are coming up. Uh, Kevin Fishbane from The Athletic will join us in the next five minutes. We got a preview Panthers-Bears tonight. Juggernaut matchup. It actually does have implications for the first overall pick. I thought we had an intervention, a collective conversation about how bad primetime games have been and how this year was going to be different. Yeah. I no. think it's worse. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely worse. And the other thing is too is this is the day that everybody's going to bet the under and it's going to be over because every other game has gone under. Why would this one be any different? Well, because that's how the world works. Uh, so Kevin Fishbane, who covers the Bears, will join us at uh, in a few minutes here. Uh, David Newton from ESPN covers the Panthers. He will join us in the second block. But uh, we got a couple minutes here. I don't know if we're going to get through all of them, so we'll have time after uh, David Newton. Um, we're going to do our midseason award winners. Let's go. Uh, you want to start with MVP? Yeah. Okay. Who'd you, who'd you take? Because we might be the same for this one. Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I took Lamar Jackson. It's got to be him. He has had a year better for me than 2018 when he was the MVP. He's completing 71.5% of his passes on pace as well to rush for 800 yards. You know how many QBs have ever done that? None. No one has thrown for 70% and rushed for 500, never mind 800. He might get to 500 this week. He's missed five games in the last two seasons. Each, five games each. So let's see if he finishes the season. But if he does, with his, you know, pass rating what it is, his rushing what it is, the wins that they've stacked up, to me it's Lamar. Best completion rate uh, in the league right now among starting quarterbacks. And he also leads the league in yards per throw on play action with 10.2. He's he's completing the – he's his completion percentage is – higher than it's been in his career, and he's pushing the ball further downfield, which tells you how good Lamar Jackson's been. It's not a ton of checkdowns and, you know, stuff underneath. Like, yes, they do do that a lot, Mark Andrews, namely, but they've been pushing the ball down the field a little bit more. It's the, the TD pass numbers that maybe leave a little bit to be desired. He only has nine. He's only thrown three interceptions. And like you mentioned, the five rushing TDs, uh, his career high is seven. He's should eclipse that number. Um, He's also helped this team to a seven and two record so far like that. I know that the defense will get a lot of credit and they should get a lot of credit because they've been, you know, outside of the Browns, probably the best unit in football, but Lamar Jackson under Todd Munkin has found a different level to his passing game. The addition of Zay flowers helps uh, Odell Beckham jr. Has been better the last couple of weeks. Rashad Bateman is still there and Mark Andrews is really good. They've also been doing it without an elite run game. 
They really have. Like, they don't have, you know, J.K. Dobbins in the backfield. They didn't go out and acquire Derrick Henry or tried to get Jonathan Taylor or whatever. So that's why, for me, with the with without an elite run game, that's why, for me, Lamar Jackson is the MVP. Uh, let's get to... We got a couple minutes. So let's get to... Uh, this is probably going to be another unanimous one. Offensive rookie of the year? CJ Stroud. Yes, sir. The only answer. I'm not even going to go into the numbers because there are so many accolades where he's first, first, first rookie to do this, first rookie to do this, first rookie to do this. Simply put, and we're halfway through, no rookie QB has had a better start passing the football than CJ Stroud. I'll give you some numbers. 14 TDs to one interception. He's third in passing yards per game. He's third in yards per attempt. He's tied for seventh in TD passes. And he has the fewest interceptions among starters who have played five games. So the one knock on a ton of rookie QBs is they turn the ball over too much. This is also a guy who has been one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the NFL, and he still hasn't turned the ball over that much. The one interception for me is the is the key factor here because there are like if he was if he was checking everything down and he was playing really conservatively, then he'd be like, okay, that makes sense. But he's third in yards per attempt. So it's not as if he's throwing the ball five yards at a time. He's pushing the ball downfield. He is using guys like Nico Collins and Tank Dell and 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 this past week Noah Brown out of nowhere your boy Noah Brown former Dallas Cowboy they could probably use him right now actually um that for me is what's been most impressive is that with when you push the ball down the field generally speaking your completion rate goes down his completion rate isn't great it's 61% he's among you know he's probably lower third of the league among quarterbacks but the thing is He's not turning the ball over. So he's not putting it in spots when he's missing that other guys are going to get it. Next year at this time, you have the second overall, second overall pick in Dynasty. And Patrick Mahomes goes one. Now, I know a lot of people are going to scream, oh, Justin Jefferson, Christian McCaffrey, Joe Burrow. But you have the chance to either pick C.J. Stroud or Caleb Williams. Wow. Who do you pick? Essentially, if you're an NFL decision maker and you have to – Hitch your wagon to one of those young QBs over the next 10 years. You've seen C.J. Stroud do it in the NFL. But you also have seen the promise. Caleb Williams, who'd you pick? I'm going with C.J. Stroud because I don't, I'm not sure that Caleb Williams is going to get the good landing spot. Houston was not looked at as an organization that was great. He made it a good landing spot. Sure did. But also, uh, D'Amico Ryans helped that. And Nick Casario you know, who has done a better job than uh, Bill Belichick has done, you know, the place that he left in New England. He's done an excellent job in building that roster as well. It's a nice young roster, and there's lots of room for improvement, and they're going to have lots of cap space going forward. So for me, it would be C.J. Stroud right now. Uh, our guest is on the line. Uh, Kevin Fishbane covers the Chicago Bears for The Athletic and joins us on the line now. Kevin, how are you? I'm good, guys. How are you? We're good. So, uh, Bears taking on the Panthers tonight. No Justin Fields, still dealing with the dislocated right thumb. I wanted to focus on him a bit. He's he's paddled injuries since he's come into the league. Is there a concern, do you think, in the organization about his durability? Or do you think it is merely just style of play? Or do you think that both can be attributed to his injuries right now? 
Yeah, it's a good question. I would probably say more of a style of play, and you know that just is going to you know lead into the durability questions because he's going to you know create himself opportunities for harm, for lack of a better phrase. Uh, that you know by with his running, with his uh, ability, you know it, it's twofold, right? He has got incredible, rare running ability um, to escape the pocket and do things with his legs. He also probably leaves the pocket too soon sometimes, and 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 tries to evade pressure. And and this this is when these hits happen. So, yeah, he's missed time in all three of his NFL seasons. Um, and you know the the thing that has eluded Justin Fields in his short NFL career is consistency um, in terms of just being a, a productive player week in and week out. And it doesn't help that he misses time with injuries that just keeps it really prevents him from getting into that rhythm that the bears have never seen since they drafted him. So the wins have been tough to come by, but over the last couple of weeks, I'm sure the bears communication staff is just happy that there aren't putting out fires, whether it is coordinator who is no longer going to be with the team or what Justin Fields said to the media or didn't say. It seemed like for a while, every week, there was another thing that was coming out of Chicago. What has it been around the team? Have things started to quiet a little bit? Yeah, well, this week's been quiet. Um, And last week they had the running back coach was fired. So, um, you know, they had gone, if you, if you picture those, uh, those, uh, Tara page things that you see in a construction site, you know, days since an accident, the bears had to reset <laughs> that to zero, uh, last week when they had fired the running backs coach. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's been a little bit calmer this week. Um, you know, you've still, it, 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 not that this is drama per se, but Justin Fields you know, injury is, is, you know, still kind of not a distraction, but it's just looming, right? You know, it's just something that we have to talk about every week. And, and Matt Eberflus kind of talks in circles a little bit about about it because, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's probably pretty cut and dry in terms of his grip strength with his thumb, but the Bears are giving, you know, they're not really giving very clear answers about it, about where, where field is at. So, you know, my guess is if he was close enough to practice this week, um, and he gets the the buy the mini buy this week that he should be go should be good to go in Detroit a week from Sunday. Um, but it, it's been a, it's been a bit of a finicky injury, and we haven't gotten very uh, clear information from the team on it. You mentioned Matt Eberflus, and the defense has been better since he's taken it over, but still the team has struggled. How long of a leash? How hot is the seat for him? depending on how the second half of this year goes. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the Bears would love for Matt Eberflus to give them reason to not have to fire him. You know, like they, they I, I started, I always joke that if Bears fans want to blame someone, they can blame me. I started covering the team in 2013. He's the fourth head coach I've covered. And, you know, since they fired Lovey Smith, there's just been this revolving door. And they want that to end, like any NFL team would. I mean, it's the same. You know, you've seen it with the Browns. You know, you've seen it with some of these bad teams in the league that they just can't get that stability. So, you know, obviously, I think the ownership likes Matty Berflus, GM Ryan Poles likes Matty Berflus, but the record is what it is. And if they're going to be in position to draft a quarterback, they have to think very hard about what head coach they want paired with that quarterback. 
so a lot has to happen, I think, down the stretch to give them the confidence. But I, I imagine that they would love to have a reason. Like they would love to be able to, uh, you know, stick to with him if they could. Um, but it's going to be a very hard sell uh, if this is a, you know, four-win team at the end of the year that has two top five picks and can totally, you know, restart things. You know, how do you, how good do you feel about him being the head coach overseeing that? So how much, it's such a, it's such an interesting scenario in Chicago because they own multiple first round picks, both of which we expect to be very high in this draft. And if it goes South with, you know, Matt Eberflus leaving the building and like, could they possibly go through another draft cycle where, like, if if they have the first overall pick, I can't see a scenario where Justin Fields survives this and he's a member of the Chicago Bears. But if they don't, let's say, you know, it's pick three or whatever they get, and, it, and Drake May is the guy on the board, do you think that Justin Fields gets another shot with a different head coach and maybe another offensive coordinator? Or do you think his leash is much like Matt Eberflus's and it all depends on what happens the rest of this season. And if they don't get the first overall pick, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah. The problem with the field scenario this year compared to last year is that this year you have the fifth year option conversation you need to have with this contract. So, you know, last year the bears are the number one pick. So they had the opportunity to decide whether or not they wanted to move out from fields and draft Bryce Young or draft C.J. Stroud. Um, and they chose to trade the pick and stick with fields. Now, twofold question. Because if, you're, if you decide that you believe fields is better than the quarterbacks who could be available to you in the draft, you then have to commit to the fifth-year option. And while there are ways to get around that and, you know, there's, there's some things that aren't guaranteed, it doesn't mean – you know, like it's not set in stone in some ways. Um, there are still implications that, that arrive with that decision. Um, and, you know, if you activate it, it might be harder to trade him. All those different things come into play. So if Justin Fields was in his first or second year, maybe it'd be easier to keep him, um, you know, draft a Marvin Harrison Jr. and a stud left tackle. Um, but because it now will be into his fourth year, uh, I think that's just a trickier era. The other thing, too, guys, is like Bears had the number one pick last year, and they, they gave it away. They gave it away for something. They got good DJ Moore and Darnell Wright out of it, so, but they decided not to use it. You get that very often. Like You don't get opportunities to draft a potentially transcendent quarterback very often. The Bears have had it a couple times, and they, it hasn't worked out. If they get it again this year, if they have another opportunity to draft a quarterback with, with a top five pick, whether it's theirs or Carolina, and they you know, move on from it again, who's to say when they're going to have that opportunity again? So I think it's just going to be hard for them to be, if they, if they are there, if they have a top three pick, um, to not take advantage of that and, and for GM Ryan Poles to not draft his quarterback and kind of reset the clock and, and, and start things over there. Well, given the clock in terms of building the roster, I really didn't understand the acquisition of Montez Sweat, especially given the fact that when acquired, he didn't have a contract worked out. Do you understand the process and the rationale by GM Ryan Pulse, who's had now a couple of his decisions publicly questioned? Yeah, it's, it was an interesting one. I, I I understood it in a vacuum because 
in the vacuum being ignoring their record. Okay, so if you just if you ignore their record, ignore where they are in the standings, you look at their roster, they don't have a good pass rusher. And you look at next year's free agency, there's no guarantee of getting a good pass rusher in free agency. You look ahead to the draft. This is not a great draft. There's no Bosa. There's no Hutchinson. There's no Watt, right, in this draft. So if you look at all those things, and then suddenly this guy with his in strength and production and durability, this guy is available, go get him. Get him and just shore up that position so you don't have to worry about it as much moving forward. I get that in itself. And, you know, the Falcons were in the mix to trade for him as well. So, you know, you couldn't guarantee just waiting until March. Now you back up and you look at their record. Look at where the team's at. And you look at how far away they are. I mean, they need like four Montez Sweat. You know, they traded for DJ Moore, which was great. DJ Moore is a phenomenal player. They need five more DJ Moores. Like this, this team is still far away from having enough impact players to be a contending team. So you you spend all those resources on one guy who's not necessarily a surefire. Not one of those guys I mentioned. He's not Bosa. He's not Hutchinson. He's not Mack. He's not Watt. So you're taking the chance on on that um, because of a little bit of desperation. So I, I see kind of both sides of it. Like I, I, I understood the idea of this is a premium position. You don't have enough good players here. This guy's available. Do whatever it takes to get him. But you're also a team that is not contending. And, and is this is it better to save those resources? to try to get more guys who could be that level of, of impressive ability. Kevin Fishbane from The Athletic joining Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett here on the Fan Checkdown. So when we talk about Montez Sweat and, and he got the extension and, and he will be there, um, the off because I'm already looking towards the offseason with these guys because I'm pretty sure we all think they're not going to make the playoffs outside of some miraculous run here. But when you look at, at the offseason, it's twofold. You talk about all the holes that they have. If they don't have the first overall pick, do you, could you see them trading one of the high picks to move down a little bit to a, a, accumulate more assets, more younger players? And the other thing is they've got a, a ton of cap space going into next year. They've got $63 million in cap space. That is, I believe, seventh most among NFL teams. I guess plain and simple, is Chicago a destination for free agents based on how this organization has been over the last three or four years? Yeah, uh, great question. Uh, you know, with the draft, so I think they, if they take a quarterback with first pick, you know, I think that you could maybe argue to trade the second pick back, as you said, because you don't have a second-round pick now. You gave that up for Montez Sweat. Because, you, again, you just need more guys. You need more top 30 talent, um, top 40 talent. So if you move that pick back a little bit to recoup a second or recoup a third, and you can move around and just get more potential blue chip players. I like that idea. If they're not taking a quarterback, then I, I do think that maybe they should keep both of them and just you know draft you know because because you know and, and take the two guys that are right there. You know maybe if it's Harrison, maybe it's an alt you know from Notre Dame or uh, you know again one of these tackles because uh, you you just don't have enough enough quality guys. The quarterback changes things though. Like if you have Caleb Williams then I think you have a little bit of flexibility uh, to move around and you might not need to use the 
seventh pick, for example, on a left tackle, you could use the you could move back to fourteen and still draft a pretty good player. Uh, as far as free agency goes, you know, you guys remember those years when in, it'd be March twenty first, and there'd be that article that comes out and say the Jaguars have won free agency, and the Jaguars would go four and twelve, right? Well, the Jaguars would always have the most money, so they'd get the best free agent but they wouldn't necessarily be good. So, like, I can see a scenario where the Bears do pretty well in free agency just because they have a lot of money and guys want to get paid, and I understand that. And, you know, you could also make the argument that it's Chicago. It's a great city. It's a charter. It's the charter franchise of the NFL. There's a lot of history involved, you know, uh, things like that. But free agents are free agents for a reason. And if they were one, of, if they were among the top players in football, they would have been re-signed or at least franchise tagged. So you always have to kind of temper expectations. But yeah, I do think just the simple point of having the money, I think, is going to be a big hole for the Bears. Now, whoever their head coaches, I think, is also going to play uh, should play a factor in that too, because they have you know last year they lost Mike McGlinchey in a bit of a betting war with Denver. So, you know, they're going to be, they're going to have competition, but I think just simply having the cap space is, is the number one selling point for them is just to be able to say, we can give you more money than team B. And everybody loves money. Uh, Kevin, thanks so much for taking some time for us today. Greatly appreciate it. I, I mean, try and enjoy the game tonight. Maybe there's a little bit of chaos. Hey, maybe the game won't go under like every other primetime game is gone. Uh, enjoy it. And thanks again for jumping on. All right. Take care, guys. There goes Kevin Fishbane from The Athletic covers the Chicago Bears. They're an intriguing team because you can still get something for Justin Fields. Then you could have the first overall pick. Or, and you could have the second overall pick, depending on how bad your season goes. And you have a bunch of money to spend in free agency. Does that make you good? Not necessarily. Do they probably get rid of the coach? I think that's going to happen. And then the pressure is on the GM to make some moves. Because he's made some interesting decisions. Chase Claypool for a second-round pick. Montez Sweat for a second-round pick. Although I feel like that's going to work out better. But if he fires the coach, all eyes on Ryan Poles now. Just look to the New York Giants. You can't give a quarterback, whether it's a fifth-year option or an extension in a new contract, unless you know for sure, dotting your I's and crossing your T's, that they are that player. Because what you do is you just delay finding that player, and you do it while giving them a lot of capital and dead money. It's what makes the delay of Kyler Murray's return in Arizona, so fascinating because you either have to be all in knowing that's your guy and then building a team around them, or for me, move off them and try to restart the process. That'll be very interesting. One team that's definitely not going to be restarting at quarterback is the team that just had the guy first overall in Bryce Young. That is the Carolina Panthers. They are on the other side of the Thursday nighter. We're going to talk to David Newton from ESPN when we come back. This is the fan checkdown. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett. You're listening on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here for the next few minutes. As we get you set for the Thursday nighter, a real barn burner, Chicago Bears, Carolina Panthers. 
And to cover off the Panthers in that game, David Newton from ESPN joins us on the line. David, how are you today? I'm doing great. Just had a six-mile run along the Lake Michigan and beautiful weather here today. So looking forward to the game tonight. Six-mile run. I just fell asleep after you told me that. Like, I couldn't even imagine driving six miles any more than running six miles. I'm proud of you. That's that's very well done. Donovan, across the table, is a runner, so he knows what it's like. I am a runner, and I have run that route along the water, uh, Lakeshore Drive in Chicago. Beautiful, one of the best waterfronts in North America, so I'm sure you enjoyed it. Oh, totally agree. It is beautiful and nice crisp day around 50 degrees. So, yeah, it, it was wonderful. I could have kept going, but I had this radio thing to do. <laughs> well, uh, sorry that we took you away from your run. Um, so it, it's been a year of, uh, of, let's call it, pain for the Panthers after, you know, a, a lot of optimism after selecting Bryce Young with the first overall pick. I hate to be this guy this early because we've seen how good C.J. Stroud's been and we've only seen kind of glimpses of what Bryce Young has been. You think there's a little buyer remorse here for the Panthers? Yeah, not at all. I mean, they 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 were sold on Bryce Young even before they made the trade to, to move up to number one to get him. Um, and, and if you look at the history, I did a story on this week too. Uh, look at the history of what quarterbacks taken with the, with the first pick have done. There's only been one since I think 1967, and I think it's had like 27 that have been taken number one that have had a winning record, and that was Andrew Luck. I mean, you got guys like Troy Aikman, who's in the Hall of Fame, who was, what, 0-11-1 his rookie year. So, I mean, when, when you drafted number one, you usually go to a bad team. Now, I, I know the Panthers had some hope at the end of last season on what they did with the run with their interim coach, Steve Wilkes, when they kind of made a late push to, to go to the playoffs. They felt like they had a lot of pieces in place. But a lot of those pieces are just not here now because injuries have just decimated this team. And you're going to be missing more pieces again tonight. I mean, Brian Burns, their sack leader, he's not going to be playing tonight. I mean, there's, I think there's 13 players on injured reserve right now. So a lot of things have happened. It's really, And it's really not comparing apples to apples with Stroud and young right now because if you look at what Houston's got, their offensive line's been better uh, against the pass. They've been better against with the running game. They've been their defense has been better. So he's had better uh, a better player, better equipment, everything around him um, to give him a chance to have that year. I'm not taking anything away from what he's done. I think he's been brilliant and, and love watching him play. But when they went head to head here in Charlotte a couple of weeks ago, Bryce had the better game. So again, it's it's just way too early to judge. Uh, Bryce Young at this point. Yeah, in hindsight, is twenty twenty. I think the evaluation in terms of the buyer's remorse is somewhat on the player's production thus far, but also the cost because a, you, theoretically you could have had a QB fall to you, and then you know, given the way this season has gone, would be real nice to have that uh, first round pick and get someone like Marvis Harrison Jr. to catch passes from that QB. Frank Reich had some comments early in the year about the level of involvement from ownership that people really tried to decipher what he was saying. And some people took that to mean that when you say they were in on Bryce Young, it was ownership and maybe not necessarily him and the coaching staff. You have been covering the team and you were there. What did you take from Frank Reich's comments about the level of involvement from Tepper and this ownership group? Yeah, I, I don't think this was a David Tepper decision. This was a Frank Wright, uh, a Scott Fitter decision. Um, yeah, I have been around him. I've talked to him. I mean, they they were sold on Bryce Young. 
uh, from the very get-go. They felt like that the, all of the things that he does will eventually come to fruition, and, and you'll see what kind of a player he can be when he has the right players. I mean, they they need more parts around him. I mean, you look at look at Joe Burrow's rookie year uh, for the Bengals. I mean, I, it was pretty miserable. I mean, he had a bad offensive line. He didn't have great receivers, and they added some pieces. I mean, Jamar Chase and, uh, and T. Higgins, and, and they've, they've got a lot of weapons around him now that have made him better. Um, and he didn't lose confidence during that rookie year. And I think that's what's key for Bryce Young is he hasn't lost confidence in himself and what he can be and what he can do. So, um, yeah, I mean, did it cost them some draft picks? Yeah, but when you if you got the guy you want, um, I, I think it's worth it. They they do have a lot of money to spend next year in free agency, and they're going to go they're going to go after some of these top wide receivers and and strengthen that part of the game, and they're going to go after um, some other players in key positions that'll help this team and an outside rusher to go opposite Brian Burns. They they made some run at those type players before the trade deadline. The, the teams just weren't willing to trade them, and uh, again. You just look at the history. I mean, Peyton Manning was what three and thirteen his, his rookie year. Look how that turned out. So I mean, again, I, I just think you know, eight games in, it's just way too early to, to start judging. And I, again, I understand they gave up a lot. I, I think a lot of people are wondering more so why they give up the chance to get two first round draft picks for Brian Burns last year and didn't take it. And again, they feel like it's hard to get that quality of a player. Um, and it was worth keeping those draft picks, and, and even though it's going to cost them a pretty penny to, to get him signed uh, sometime after this season and, and going into next year. Canadians across the country are really interested in the other person in the Panthers' backfield, and that would be Chuba Hubbard. Now, he's someone who was drafted and brought on by previous coach and Matt Rule, given how much success he had against him in college. How has Chuba's ascension been uh, thus far given the fact that he's probably playing more snaps early in his career than many people thought when he came out in the draft yeah i mean he actually played a decent role last year when they uh went to the running game game i know dante foreman who's going to be on the opposite side tonight was the go-to guy but i I thought Cuba played well last year Uh, miles sanders is still a guy that the panthers believe can, can contribute and they haven't given up on him I know they gave him the big deal during the offseason, and you saw flashes of that last week. I mean, he got out there and he made a few plays. He knows he's been disappointed. He's disappointed himself. A lot of that's because the offensive line has been there, but a lot of he's just not been, you know, doing some of the little things he feels like he needs to do. And I still think that, that he's a guy that can, can be the type player they believe he can be uh, at some point. I think you're going to start to see a little more of him again tonight. I think it'll see a balance out just because of what he did last year, last week, and they want to see if he can can, can maintain and build upon that. But, um, you know, in this league, you, as you see around every team, you, you got to have multiple backs back there to contribute because those guys just don't stay healthy through this season. I think they feel good that they've got now Chuba that's able to contribute. The, back, the worst part is, like, last week, Chuba did absolutely nothing. And, again, it goes back to the line. They're just not creating holes for either of the backs to, to make a lot. David Newton from ESPN joining Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett here on the fan check down. Um, you mentioned Brian Burns and, and not taking two first round picks from him, which I thought was absolutely crazy. With that being said, is there a future for Brian Burns in Carolina after the season? Like, are they going to be willing to pay him the money to keep him there? Or do you anticipate that, that he's long for somewhere else? 
I mean, they, they'll use a franchise for, to secure him next year to, if they have to. So that'll that'll keep him there at probably the price they would like to pay him anyway. Um, the amount that, that Brian Burns' uh, representatives are asking for right now is pretty steep. Panthers just aren't willing to go there. Um, and, and again, it's, it's all you know that it's all part of a game when you get to the negotiation part. So uh, you know, Brian right now is what at five sacks. He's he's probably. Not going to have the year he had last year when he had 12 and a half um, just because his defense got some injuries, and he's beat up right now. So that price probably will drop a little bit. He's still young, though. He's only 25 now, and, and they really believe in him, not just from what he can do on the field. He, they still believe he's an elite pass rusher, but just the leadership he brings. So, yeah, I think at some point they get that done. I think they bring in another player, um, kind of a mid-level to uh, – player that be an edge rusher opposite him and if they do that i think this defense can really click and actually i i was impressed with it last week i was stunned at how well they did against the colts in that run game last week with with all the injuries they have yeah they were very good uh, especially in the second half really limiting uh jonathan taylor also uh they they held on to the ball for a long time which was super important um on the offensive side i wanted to ask you one more thing uh jonathan mingo rocketed up draft boards uh the panthers took him in the second round um, he was a guy that, you know, a lot of people thought may go a little bit later, but then over the course of a couple of months, his stock just rose like crazy, really, really good athlete. But, you know, despite playing a lot of snaps this year, only 19 catches for 195 yards. What have you made of his rookie year? And did this always feel like it was going to be a bit of a longer path to relevance for him? Yeah, I agree. T- definitely there. And he's inconsistent. He's kind of been the, the, trademark for him i mean you saw it in training camp he'd have one great catch and then he'd drop a pass um it's been that way during the regular season uh, i still think he can be a solid possession receiver for him they still need to get a speed guy they just don't have that guy that can and break open the top of the defenses and you really haven't seen bryce young go deep all season which has kind of been watch it you feel like at some point they just need to throw one deep just to let them know he can throw it deep uh but yeah i i, I think that mingo could be a factor Thielen's the guy that's just everybody thought yeah they bring in this old guy that can be consistent receivers come along but he's i don't it's hard to you don't know what you define hey to find a number one receiver uh he doesn't have all the intangibles as far as what it left behind it in minnesota with justin jefferson but he's been that type of a guy. He's been consistent, been there, runs great routes. So, uh, you know, keep Adam Thielen around for another year, Mingo, and add a, a really, really good speed guy. Um, you know, you saw, again, look down at Miami, what's going on with Tyree Kill uh, with Tua down there. I mean, just how dynamic that can make an offense. I mean, I can go example by example, the quarterbacks that just saw their stock shoot right up when they had that premier uh, wide receiver and I think that's what the Panthers are going to look for 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 Bryce Young and I don't I don't think Mingo is going to be that type player but I think he can be a very solid player yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how the Panthers go into this offseason especially looking for that number one guy uh, David thank you so much for for taking some time out of your day and uh, and out of your run specifically uh, appreciate you jumping on and enjoy the game tonight appreciate it guys thanks a lot there he goes David Newton from ESPN covering the Carolina 
Panthers. Okay, I'm going to get my best bets in here for this game tonight, and then we'll finish off our conversation about our award winners. Uh, Tyson Bajan over 186 and a half passing yards. He's been over that number in the last two games against defenses that we believe are better than Carolina's. Uh, and then TJ Edwards over eight and a half tackles and assists. He's been over that number in seven of nine games this season and well over that number in six of those seven games. Okay, back to our conversation. So we did MVP offensive rookie of the year. You and I both agreed it was Lamar Jackson and CJ Stroud uh, defensive rookie of the year. Who do you have for that? This one was tough. Yeah, we thought Will Anderson potentially because that Texans team has been so good. Yep. Jalen Carter. He's been one of the best defensive players in the sport. He's really been good for that Eagles defense. So I, I, I went him, but I was torn. Devin Witherspoon was the other guy that I had kind of wavered over. He missed the first game, but ever since he's been playing, he's been excellent for the Seahawks. Uh, Jalen Carter, let's not forget, he was, for most people's money, the most talented player in this draft. Off-field issues had dropped him down, and of course he lands with the Philadelphia Eagles, he's got one of the highest pressure rates in football, and he doesn't play nearly the same amount of snaps as the guys at the top of that list. He's already been a game changer for the Eagles in that front four, so it was Jalen Carter for me as well. Um, I hope we don't agree on all of these because I feel like we might until coach of the year, but who do you have for defensive player of the year? Does it start with an M? It doesn't. It starts oh, okay. with a T, okay. and it's right. followed by a J. TJ Watt, he has been so, so good. He's been wreaking havoc defensively even got himself a pick uh as well so i i went with tj watt but uh, miles garrett who you obviously went yeah. with is right there as well well he's the the thing for me with miles garrett is he's playing with such confidence right now that he can literally dance at the line of scrimmage he's, and he's, he's doing crossovers yeah he laughs at double teams he laughs at triple teams he gets by guys and even with that even with the added eyes on him and added bodies he still has nine and a half sacks four forced fumbles and he's the leader of arguably the best defensive unit in football like he even said it i think he was on with pat mcafee and he said like i'm at the peak of my powers right now at the nfl honors awards you know when they're playing the little highlight video so he can go up on stage and say his speech. They're just going to play the video of two tight ends following him across the formation and getting a delay of game penalty for their own team because they're told to follow him wherever he goes and double team him, and he just wouldn't stop moving. He's he's absolutely incredible. He's been, he's you know, a lot of defensive players do not get the credit for being fun to watch. Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, Aaron Donald, absolutely in that conversation because they are behemoths. And I fear for offensive linemen when they have to go up against those guys. Like, I know I know that's what the job is, but my goodness, no thank you. Um, final one, coach of the year. This one we're going to disagree on for sure. We have to, right? I mean, I don't know about for sure. This one was tough for me. Yeah, it was. I had a couple. I wanted to go Mike Tomlin. I really did. I thought <laughs> I was going Mike Tomlin. And then I said... The job Kevin O'Connell is doing with the Minnesota Wow, Vikings okay, a little bit off the board, really, yeah. He had to teach his quarterback the not only the plays, the no-huddle offense, and one, this team started 0-3. They're now back at 500. For me, I think they're probably going to get the, the seventh seed in the NFC. He's done a lot with a little. Yeah, and the addition of Brian Flores, not early on. The returns on Brian Flores were not great early on, but that defense has played a lot better since they've gotten going and really kind of understood Brian Flores' scheme. Um, I did go with Mike Tomlin. 
Uh, I also gave honorable mention to Dan Campbell. Yep, he's another good Because player. he, if you look at the body of work over the course of the last calendar year, it's very impressive. And I know that's not what the coach of the year is, um, but whatever, it's our show. We can say whatever the heck we want. Well, uh, honorable mention also to D'Amico Ryan. Sure, yeah, absolutely. If they make the playoffs... You already know my take. D'Amico Ryan's, if they make the playoffs, is going to be in the conversation for coach of the year. For sure. uh, so Mike Tomlin, I mean, no QB. He lost Cam Hayward for a bit, lost Deontay Johnson for a bit. They don't have Minka Fitzpatrick anymore as of right now. They're 5-3. and three. They're 2-0 and oh in the division with wins against the Ravens and Browns, who have had very good seasons. Uh, and they're 4-2 and two in the conference. It like, doesn't make any sense. No. The Steelers are the team who goes into a multiple-choice exam and just puts C down the entire Scantron sheet, and somehow they get a better mark than you, and you stayed up and you studied all night. Yeah, that actually seems like a really... You have really good analogies. That's very impressive. It's my only superpower. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's true, though, because they have... There's almost no expectations for this team, seemingly every year for the last four years. And, And again... We said it on the show. All they do is win. All Mike Tomlin does is win. Somebody somebody tried to argue, and I'll do this quickly. Somebody tried to argue, well, they have all these Pro Bowl players. Well, they didn't be, just become Pro Bowl players. Like, coaching has something to do with that. Duh. Anyway, uh, do you have a pick for tonight's game? Oh, if I have to pick one, I think Carolina. They're going to tie? <laughs> yeah, right. Zero, zero. The, the tie would be the best case scenario for the Chicago Bears. Oh, for draft pick purposes. That's a good call. They are praying for a tie, a 31-31 tie, or a 24-24 tie. That's what they're hoping for. I I, hate, I'm, I'm going to go with the Bears just because they're at home. Against the spread or outright? Outright. I just think, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't even care. I'm that's, gonna, the, that's the promo for this game. Yeah, whatever. Whatever, I don't care. Uh, but that's not the promo for this show. But we are back tomorrow. Uh, we will chat about this game for whatever reason we're going to do that and preview the weekend's games ahead. For Lance Kennedy behind the glass, Donovan Bennett across the table. Matt Marchese signing off for the Fan Checkdown. Talk to you tomorrow.